welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist, and I'm joined today by Caitlin and Peter. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, I am an editor and writer for Anime Feminist, um, and I also have my own website. I have a heroin problem, heroin with an E. Uh, always have to add that. Gotta be careful. <laughs> yeah, and I am also the uh, anime writer, the uh, quote-unquote anime expert for The Daily Dot. Ooh, that's a new addition to the bio. Love yeah. it. Yeah. I got a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> My name's Peter Phobian. I'm an Associates Features Editor for Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. Okay, and we're here today to talk about the spring 2018 season we're about halfway through the season now i think all anime are between episodes six and eight at the moment um so we're going to go through our premiere digest categories um which was put together after one episode of every series um and they were put into categories starting with anime was a mistake and going right up to feminist themes so we'll just go through that list talk about what we're still watching and why what we've dropped and why what we've heard good things about what we've heard less good things about and hopefully you'll be able to pick up some ideas of new anime to watch if you're not watching some of the things that we actually would like to recommend to you or some things to stay away from if we cover that ground too and looking at this list i promise you we do so starting off anime was a mistake <laughs> is is anyone watching the slave anime no no no, okay. Yeah, it's kind of uh, baked we... in, you know, <laughs> no, yeah. no escaping the bad stuff about it. Yeah, this uh, this was recommended against, and I don't think that's changed. Uh, Pit of Shame, Magical Girl Sight. Definitely not. No. 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 Yeah, and I've heard nothing that it's improved. Okay, Red Flags, here is where I have one that I have heard good things about, and that's Comic Girls. Either of you watching any of that? No, I, I want to. I don't have time... <laughs> I I've uh I have a lot of irons in the fire, so I haven't had time to like keep up with a lot of series. Um, I like how you've called back. That's that's nice. Good continuity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this this is a packed season. There is a lot to watch, and I actually hadn't watched any until today because I went through the list and I was just trying to plug gaps and like what do I need to watch so that I can discuss it. And I've seen some queer women on my Twitter feed talking about comic girls in a positive way. And I was like, okay, I need to see a little bit to be able to fairly represent it because it's in our red flags category. So when people I trust are giving it some compliments, I need to know what's going on. Peter, have you seen any? Uh, I dropped it after three episodes. That's fair. Why did you drop it? I just, I could tell it was a comedy series, but I couldn't find the jokes. (laughs) <laughs> it was definitely a lot of enough. cute girls. Um, there was some, like, fan servicey stuff, and I didn't really like a lot of the social dynamics, uh, like the, the one girl basically being forced to draw porn and constantly be calling, like, everybody kind of refers to her as a porn artist. She doesn't seem comfortable with that. Uh, and just, like, a lot of uh, kind of uncomfortable jokes. Like, I think the main character wanted her teacher to step on her or something like that. Uh, and I don't know how old she is. She looked I, either way. She looks like she's a middle schooler or younger. They all look really young, don't they? Yeah, um, yep. that, yeah. That's, that's kind of par, uh, par for the course with this sort of series, though. Yeah. Well, I went to one of the friends who has been singing its praises, and I said, "Which episodes do I need to watch to get to be to be fair to it?" And she said, "There are two. There are two episodes worth <laughs> oh, watching right now. Great. Episodes four and five. So, Peter, I'm sorry, you just <laughs> yeah, missed out. <laughs> just before it got good. 
<laughs> so I watched episodes four and five today and I completely get what they mean. So episode four has the porn artist that you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. and she was... She has an- her deal made me really kind of uncomfortable in the first episode, too. I haven't seen the first episode, the, so well, we're going to have to explain things to each other a lot. I mean, it's <laughs> it's pretty much what it says on the tin. Like, it's a high school student being made to draw porn, then she's not comfortable with it. Like, uh. <laughs> yeah, She tried doing other types of comics, and I think her editor said, wow, you're really draw- good at drawing women, and basically uh, said, why don't you draw some, like, kind of fan service stuff? And then that stuff did really well. So that's just pigeonholed her yeah. career. And yeah. That's okay. how everybody identifies her and she doesn't like it. Okay. Episode four, I think, <laughs> builds it. on that in a really positive way. Yeah. She has an autograph signing and she's panicking about it the entire episode because she's like, I'm going to disappoint people. They're going to expect someone who's really sexy and confident. And, and that's not me. I'm just a high schooler. I have no dating experience. What am I doing? Um, and over the course of the episode, she kind of manages to connect with that part of herself in a way that's not sleazy at all. It really is just her kind of learning that confidence is the key and that she's really worried because her pen name is Big Boobies, I think. And she's like, they're going to see me and I'm really flat chested and it's going to be awful. They're going to be so disappointed. And then she actually goes to the signing. She gets a little makeover because, you know, don your armor, as they say in Princess Jellyfish, and it really works. And, you know, spoilers, as it should be evident, but I, I really do recommend this episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, she, she shows up and she ends up talking to a lot of young female fans who are saying, I really love your love stories. They're really relatable. I'm having relationship difficulties. What can I do? And she, like, speaks to the mother of a baby who's saying, oh, me and my husband both love your work. And it's really just down to earth it's not at her expense she's not humiliated she's not embarrassed actually she grows into the role and she comes to really appreciate the fact that her drawing uh kind of erotica is actually because she's so good at love stories that's reiterated a few times in the episode is that it's not it's not about her drawing like really hot sex it's about the fact that her love stories are really good and the sex scenes are a kind of an expansion of that you mean that's what her fans appreciate yeah, that's okay. what her fans appreciate. That's what her peers appreciate. Appreciate. That's what her, I think her editor tells her. I mean, this was the first episode I'd seen, so I'm oh, a little bit adrift. N- no, in the first episode, her editor, I think it was her editor directly, basically said it's because she draws hot women. Yeah, they, it's, yeah, that was flatly stated. Yeah, that's fine. First episodes aren't always representative of character arcs, though, and I think episode four totally like takes it in a positive, healthy direction. Now, it's it's definitely an etchy comedy at times, mm-hmm. and like. All honesty, it's not to my taste. This will be a surprise to absolutely no one who's ever heard me review anime. Shocking, yeah. Um, (laughs) Shocking, I know. It is not to my taste, but that episode I did enjoy. I did appreciate it. And then the fifth episode, they, I mean, we've got a mention in our one-liner review about it being probably queer baiting. Fifth episode has two girls on a date. Oh, wow. And one of them with very, like, explicitly kind of romantic intentions towards the other. And it's not treated like a joke. It is taken seriously. It is like, it is treated as a potential romance by pretty much everyone except one girl in, in the relationship because she's so clueless. Um, but mm. it's it's taken seriously. It's treated respectfully. So like, I, I would love to have like queer readers comment on this, queer listeners comment on this and say what they thought. But this was why I initially watched it is because queer women that I knew were praising this particular aspect of it. So it's not 
like I'm not saying its red flags are gone, but there's more to it. I would probably push it up into yellow flags. I think if we were putting together the list now. Okay. Well, that's a mm. upward trend. That's good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's nice to see. Usually the trends are very much downward on our list. Yeah. Um, okay, the other two. Is anyone watching Kitty Honey Universe or Devil's Line? No. Nope. No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I've not heard anything uh, about either of them that would contradict our red flags. Yeah, after the first two or three episodes, yeah. I'd stopped hearing about them pretty much entirely. Exactly. So. Yeah. Exactly. And Cutie Honey, I know it has the... Uh, it has the Gona guy kind of connection that means people are interested, but I've not seen people talking about it on a weekly basis. So <laughs> it didn't it's last. Not <laughs> yeah, it's not grabbed too many people, so maybe there's a novelty there. But again, it, listeners, if you disagree, please let us know. We'd love to hear that. Okay, Yellow Flags. This is a fairly long list. Um, Butler's X. Butler's? Butler's Times? Butler's? I never know how to say it. You never pronounce the X. That's Butler's what Hunter Butler's, Hunter told that's me. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, watching that? Uh, no. Nope. The first episode nope. okay. turned me off. Caligula. Uh, yeah, I'm current. Okay. How are you feeling about it now? Well, in in to address the whole, um, I, I believe it, our main reviews kind of concern was that the male character was just kind of or the main character was kind of like a that unappreciated super genius type. Uh, I think the <sighs> series is pretty firmly established that he's canonically extremely obnoxious and usually wrong. <laughs> great combination it's good to hear they're in like this digital world that's trying to keep them inside and the the villains keep doing things to like reinforce the kind of brainwashing that's happened and i I believe in one instance he's almost roped in because they have like a guys and girls mixer and uh they specifically like put in female agents and it almost works on him because two girls are willing to listen to him go on a long spiel about (laughs) psychology And yeah, they, so he, if he didn't get saved, that probably would have been the end of him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. I'm honestly enjoying it. It's uh, It was written by the guy who uh, wrote Persona 1 and 2, and I'm honestly enjoying it more than the Persona 5 anime. I don't know if that's just because I know what happens in Persona 5, so there's like absolutely no sense of drama or mystery to it. Um, Persona but, 5's kind of a... Yeah. We'll get to Persona 5. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. I think, I think they're doing some interesting stuff. It seems like the premise in this one is that everybody is in that world because uh, there's some sort of really bad psychic pain that they're experiencing that uh, Mew is trying to save them from. And in this case, it's a, I think all of them have done something pretty awful. Like, uh, it, it's implied one girl may have, like, driven her mother to some sort of eating disorder or potentially death. Uh, one guy killed someone for sure. Uh, another girl, uh, it was kind of coded that she was abused in the relationship, but I'm starting to think that she abused her boyfriend, uh, like physically abused, and they don't want to live in this world anymore, and the whole, like, you know, Persona-esque getting your powers type thing comes with them sort of having to accept that they've done something really bad and deciding that they want to live their real life with those consequences rather than just enjoy this life where they're living ignorantly. So I think it's got some interesting stuff it's doing. Okay. You'd recommend it? Uh, yeah. Still think it belongs in Yellow Flags? Um, yeah. It's got a little bit of a... <laughs> I, I don't think it really... It doesn't really have fan service, per se. Uh, there's one episode where that whole, like, guys and girls mixer thing, one of the villains is kind of a, a dominatrix type. There's some weird sexual stuff they do. I, I wouldn't really call it fan service, just kind of like maybe just not a good portrayal. Okay, so yellow flags intact. Yeah, ye- yellow flags works. <laughs> okay. Cute high earth defense club happy kiss. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I mean that's part of a franchise anyway. So if if you've seen any previous installments, probably you know what you're in for. Um, dances with is it the dragons or dances with dragons? Um, it's the dragons. The dragon dances with the dragon. Okay, watching this, anyone? Mm. No, I haven't seen anyone no. talking about it. No, I watched the first episode and I liked or the first couple of episodes and I liked it well enough, but then completely forgot it existed. So, <laughs> is it all? Okay, Fist of the Blue Sky Regenesis. I completely let this one slip, even though I quite I quite enjoyed the first episode. His meat suit aside, um, but I haven't kept up with it. Peter, are you watching this one? Uh no <laughs> i'm just assuming caitlin isn't like, no not I... really your pre- <laughs> not really your preferences oh yeah i love bad cg of meaty men punching each other yeah. yeah it's really weird his body does look like an exoskeleton covered in a skin covering it's bizarre um but i i enjoyed it well enough and i would go back to it i just completely forgot about it um lupin's third part I know this has come under fire from Vry. Mm-hmm. Um, and are either of you watching it? Uh, I'm a little bit behind, but I am watching it, yeah. Okay. Do you think it still belongs in the Yellow Flags category? Um, I know we we there were concerns over... God, what's it? I can't remember if it's actually... It's pronounced Ami, or is it Amy? I know she's always correcting Ami. Lupin. Ami? Okay. Uh, there was... Oh, I don't know then. It's, okay, uh, okay. I think reading. it's Ami. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the whole uh, fan service with her in the first episode and then the second episode or third episode, I think, kind of established that he was kind of more of a father figure to her. Uh, but then I think the episode after that, uh, she asked him if he was interested in having sex with her. And he said okay. he said no, but uh, she basically <laughs> said, I'm not necessarily against it. I'm curious about that kind of stuff, uh, which is, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like trying to have your cake and eat it too. But so, subsequently, she's out of the show. Um, they like resolved her plot uh that was probably the creepiest thing that happened, and they've kind of moved on to other stuff. Uh, it's kind of weird since I'm my understanding is Lupin series don't kind of transition like that into like different story arcs. Usually, they kind of have like a, a through line or a thing that's happening, at least according to my understanding. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Newbie. Beyond that, it's it's Lupin stuff, uh, capers, uh, stealing stuff shooting people that kind of thing we have got a an article that vry wrote on anime feminist um i can't remember the title off the top of my head but basically lupin is not being totally fair with its queer characterization and i think you should read vry's article i am completely adrift here because i haven't seen any lupin ever and i don't really no never not even castle of cagliostro well, it's on Netflix now. <laughs> yes, apparently even Netflix UK, which I didn't realise because I saw, usually when I see the announcements of this is now available on Netflix or this is now available on Crunchyroll, I'm just like, not here it isn't. And usually I'm right, but not this time. So I need to actually watch it. Um, but yeah, we do have an article that goes into more detail on Vry's particular frustrations with the way that Lupin the Third is treating the concept of queerness. I think it's not it's not like it's got queer characters and that's kind of the problem is it's not taking queerness seriously mm. and it, it's in a way that Vry says is pretty dis- disrespectful to queer viewers and queer fans of the series. Um, so read that article and you'll probably have a better idea of if uh, this installment is for you or not. Um, Real Girl, either of you watching that? No, I want to because I do, I mean, I didn't, like the first episode but i want to sort of see where it goes and see okay. what it's going to do with it like i've got i don't always watch anime for enjoyment 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the, uh, the anime journalist lifestyle. Yep. So I'm, but I'm curious about sort of um, if it improves. No one's talking about it, so I can't, I haven't picked anything up from uh, from Twitter or anything. Complete confession. I hadn't even looked at the Premiere Digest until today because there was so much anime that I didn't need to go looking for recommendations. Like, my watch list is full. Um, and I went to the Premiere Digest today. I saw Real Girl. I was like, what is that? I hadn't even heard of it. So it's yeah, it's not made very big name for itself yet. No. Well, part of it is that it's on high dive, which... Um, which doesn't help. But I've heard of um, Tada Never Falls in Love, which right. is a high dive one, right? And like that, that people are talking about. So... It's not mm-hmm. a complete blocker from attention. Yeah, no, like, it's just... Because the first episode was very, like... It has potential to be something that I would really enjoy, but, like, the first episode just, like... It didn't seem interested in calling the main character out on his shit. It was uh. mostly just like, oh, girls. Girls are mean. Girl, Great. Girls suck. <laughs> Except this girl who's... Cru- not crude. like other girls she's, she's crude but other girls hate her but she's nice uh, to the main character I, um, I can see why you would want to see more of that though because if they handle it right I can see how that would be completely your thing right so the, but the first episode did not handle inspire it well. faith okay <laughs> well if you get time to watch it maybe we can pick that up in conversations at the end of the season and yeah you can kind of say if it if it did actually fulfill the best case scenario yeah or, i mean i don't have anything not. i have to watch after this weekend so oh, okay, I, I get to spend time watching things i want to watch <laughs> or choose to watch i should say and that that gives us no segue whatsoever into talking about umamusume because i'm pretty sure you're not watching no that, that is not <laughs> on the list no <laughs> peter uh i'm a little bit behind on that one too but i have been watching it yes do you think that it departs at all from the assessment that we gave it in the premiere. I think that, like, first episode groping thing was pretty much the only time it dipped into that territory. So I might say, like, if you can get past one joke, maybe it's worth bumping it up. Because, okay. um, I mean, it just, it just, I guess they just decided it's one of those like maybe like try to catch people by maybe implying there might be that kind of joke in the first episode kind of thing uh and then not doing that that. yeah it's bad but uh but i guess uh i I especially i I really wish i'd caught up because i guess there's kind of more uh potential romance between the main character and silent suzuka like maybe in a more kind of uh canonical manner uh special week oh and and who silent suzuka is that the senpai? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> something happened recently. Actually, this is pretty predictable if you know anything about the real-life racehorse, which I, I do because I edited a couple articles about that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, the real racehorse, Silent Suzuka, uh, their, uh, its career ended very early on because of an injury, and uh, Silent Suzuka twisted her ankle in a recent race, and uh, Special Week's been taking care of her and taking her out and, you know, like in her like wheelchair buggy and stuff. Right. getting her groceries and feeding her that kind of stuff to make sure she gets better so i don't uh and like i'm from the like language that i'm seeing in regards to it and maybe they're like actually treating it as something more serious than just oh she's being a good friend uh, okay 
yeah. Uh, of course, I can't say that from firsthand experience. Um, past yeah. that, I mean, past as far as like um, problematic content is concerned, though, after that first joke, or I guess it was a two-part joke in the first episode, I didn't really see anything else. After that, it's just kind of a idle series, um, which really isn't my thing. So I don't feel qualified <laughs> to say whether or not it's a good or bad idle series. Uh, but yeah. uh, it certainly is an idle series. It was such a combination of things that are not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I very reluctantly watched one episode and it was painful and I was stopping every two minutes to take a break. Um, I haven't gone back to it, but I have seen people enjoying it. So, you know, if it's if it's your thing, yeah. then if you like idol let anime. us know. Yeah, if you like idol anime or you like animal girl anime or cute girl anime, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you might get something out of this. And if you are enjoying it, then let us know why and let us know why you'd recommend it to other people. Um... Okay, next category, it's complicated. Oh, good. Okay, now we get to talk about some that I actually have seen. Um, and like, Kakurio is one of my favorites this season. Are either of you watching that? I dropped it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to know what you think of it, because you, you and I both liked the first episode, right? And what did you like about the first episode? I liked that she, she was a grown-ass adult, for one thing. <laughs> yeah. It's helpful, isn't um, it? <laughs> I like that, like... She doesn't, she's not passive. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, like, he's like, oh, you're gonna have to marry me, instead of her being like, oh, no. Um, like, in, like, it is in a lot of these, uh, uh, I fake fainted or swooned or whatever. In a lot of these, um, supernatural forced marriage anime, or <laughs> we are destined to, I'm, destined to marry a demon like she's like no i'm gonna find another way to deal with this because right because it's about repaying her grandfather's debt and she's like well if if he's in debt then i'll i'll earn money and pay you back money Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's an alternative that we have available to us and he initially treats her pretty badly for that Mm -hmm. and is basically like well if you if you're not here as my fiance then you don't even you're not even worthy to talk to me essentially and it's quite it's quite harsh to her, but you haven't seen beyond the first episode. No. Okay. Well, that element of her character does not change. She continues to be. Uh, she continues to have that agency. She continues to make strong decisions and forcefully, and she kind of sticks to what feels right to her. But you can also kind of predictably you can kind of see that her feelings towards the the ogre landlord i can't remember what his name he's he's all done summer but i can't remember what the translation they use he's the innkeeper like the head of the innkeeper he's a really respected person in the town he's treated like a young noble or something um and she she does start to soften towards him and he treats her better and it the stuff that i really didn't like in the first episode um which was much more on him kind of saying well i could eat you and i'm going to choose not to because you're so captivating and it was it was very twilight it was kind yeah. of messed up um and that isn't really a factor going forward oh, and it becomes much more about okay she's on his land and she has this debt to repay and so she's got to start a business and she's got to make it profitable um this is already completely in my wheelhouse and he is kind of trying to not I mean, he seems kind of comfortable with the boundaries that are there, but he does continually bring up the engagement idea. So it's still on the table that they could still get engaged and presumably that's where they're headed. 
Um, but I've been really enjoying it and I really love the setting. I mean, Peter and I talked about it at the beginning, but it is kind of reminiscent of scenes from the Eccentric Family series and it is just beautiful. And I love the opening credits and I love the closing credits. I just aesthetically, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I'm, I'm getting a lot out of this and it, it's kind of my problematic fave. It is still complicated and I don't think that's going anywhere because the complicated aspects are baked into the premise. But as far as Aoi, the main character, goes, like she is great. She carries it. Her relationship with the ogre and with the other people around her is developing in ways that make sense. And she's not sexualized or fetishized or treated badly in any way other than she's treated kind of shabbily when she initially rejects his his engagement proposal. Um, but other than that, it's been moving on in ways that I really like. So, yes, please catch up on that case so we can talk about it. <laughs> um, is either of you watching Magical Girl or I am. still? Yeah? yeah. Caitlin? Nope. Okay, I caught up today. Peter, what do you think? I almost don't feel qualified to even talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. Like, this is super awkward right now, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it, it is super problematic. I think it's fair to say it is super problematic. And either that will be a deal breaker for you or it won't. Um, for me, it's not, but I completely understand if it is for anyone. From episode one, I understand if it is. I mean, there's a moment in episode, I want to say five, when they just straight up make a rape joke. They just, they make a joke of the idea that... Oh, the hot springs? Yeah, they yeah. make a joke of the idea that Sakuyo, who's in love with Saki, her, her, the two idol girls, like when they're in... Um, when they're in the hot springs, Saki really worries that Sakio is going to turn into a man and rape her. And she kind of imagines herself crying in bed next to Sakio, who's just like smoking and looking very content. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's kind of played for laughs. That's not nice. Um, so there's, she that's does apologize for that later, but... It, I, yeah. it, it'd be nice if they didn't make the joke in the first place. Yeah, The joke in the first place, yeah. exactly. Um, I, but at the same time, you've got like Mohiro, who is Saki's crush, and he is completely into Saki when she's presenting as a man. Yeah. So, and like, I, I can't get enough of that joke. Like, I love that joke. And I'm completely here for that. But then it balances out with also really awful jokes, and it is really mean-spirited at times, and your tolerance for that will be very personal, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I, it feels like it kind of knows what it's doing and might be playing with a lot of stuff in this kind of genre as to whether it actually ends up doing anything with that. <laughs> it might be kind of like, a, well, you're in for a long haul to see to find out. Yeah. But I, at, at least at this point, I feel like yeah, it feels like it has some intention behind it, even if it is super uncomfortable at points. But I mean, I can't guarantee there'll be any payoff for that at this point. So yeah. I'll, I'll report back. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, at this point, it's just a, a lot of that. Yeah, it is. It is undeniably problematic, yep. and your mileage will vary. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only thing we can say about it. Um, yeah, hopefully we'll check in later. I don't know if anyone who was watching the show that I'm aware of is still watching it, but I'll try and kind of canvas opinions before our final end of series podcast and see if anyone um, anyone who is not cisgender or who is queer is still watching it at that point and can kind of give their view that we can incorporate because, yeah, I feel super unqualified to comment on this one. Yeah. Love the uh, Shirobako Godzilla episode, though. I hated that. <laughs> you did? I loved it. I thought it was great. I hated great. that. 
Um, for context, it gets to the end of episode uh, three. And that, the end of episode three, I was like, oh, okay, no, I like where this is going. It's great. It's building up this whole thing with Mohiro and Saki and Saki. Like, yeah, I'm up for this. And then episode four just goes, yeah, we're, we're redoing everything. We're, we're just setting up a new episode that's all about Godzilla or no, what's it called? Uh, it was some uh, Cheezilla or Chillzilla or something like that. Yeah, and it just tells a completely unrelated story. Well, extremely peripherally related story that's based in not any reality whatsoever. They have to defeat Godzilla I, by finishing an anime episode. So it's kind I of like so Shin Godzilla with animation production. Annoyed. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, it was, I funny. was so annoyed. I skipped. I got about five minutes in. I realized it wasn't changing. It wasn't going back to the main story. This one note <laughs> gag was the entire episode. Yeah. Um, I, right at the end, Saki and Sakio show up. It's completely inconsequential. <laughs> they fuck, the they just kill it. <laughs> After all that build up, they jump kick it and it dies. <laughs> I'm just fast forwarding, like watching to see if something happens at all. And it's just nothing. And then Saki and Saki will show up and I'm like, okay, I should watch this. I watched it. (laughs) That was the end of the episode. So yeah, you can just skip that one. Or if you think, if you think you'll uh, appreciate it as Peter apparently has, then yeah, watch it, enjoy, and then get back to your regularly scheduled programming, which was completely unaffected by the events of that episode. Hate it when shows do that. I, I, I think that. I liked that show more than Magical Girl Order, so that was that's why I liked it. That's a great recommendation. Yep. <laughs> okay, Tada never falls in love. Caitlin, you're watching this. Yes, one? I am. Uh, I think you're the only one. So, right. how's it? How's it doing? How's it holding up? I mean, I'm I am disappointed, but in a way that's not totally the fault of the series. So, is, is that a recommendation? Okay. I can't quite well. Tell. <laughs> It is a soft recommendation. So, um, okay. The thing is that it has the like mostly the same creative staff as Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun, which is probably one of the funniest anime I've ever watched. Yes. Um, and I was like, okay, this is completely original material. Um, the writer and the director, like, they're really, really strong working on adaptive material. But I don't know how they're going to be with something original. So I hope they do well. I hope, like, their strengths will still be able to come out. And the answer to that was not really. Okay. Um, so, because it fe- it's sweet. It has nice moments. But it feels pretty aimless. Um, it's sort of improved. The last couple episodes have been an improvement. But, it, like, the f- like, the first, like, four episodes or so were just sort of like very like inconsequential just sort of light fluff and the boys are the worst like okay two two of the boys are the worst are these the ones who are ogling the girls chests and making unwelcome advances in episode two there's, i'm just looking at the premiere digest <laughs> there's just well there's peen senpai who is the one who is obsessed with a gravure idol um, called Hina, and he, like, yeah, he spends a lot of time obsessing over boobs, and he talks about how, basically, softcore porn is the highest art, because women's bodies are the greatest art that exists, and blah, blah, blah. I think I've spoken to this guy on Twitter. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and what, there's the girl who is actually secretly the gravure idol that he's obsessed with, of course, 
um, yeah. is in love with him, but he's obsessed mm-hmm. with her image, like her sort of her image as an idol, and he doesn't know that she is the idol. And I'm like, why does she like this guy? <laughs> All he does is okay. yell about boobs. Uh, yeah, that's that's nice. That's so nice. That's good boyfriend material. That yeah. And then there, the other guy who's just like he's not bad. He's just extremely. Ex- he is the most Mamoru Miyano character to ever exist. Does that does that statement make sense? Well, I actually this is so funny because well maybe only to me, but I found out who Mamoru Miyano was for the first time very recently because I started playing the Utano Prince Summer idol game right. on my mobile and through that i found out who he is and then we started doing the oran high school host club watch along <laughs> which is going to be coming out soon and i found out who he was i found out that he was in that and since then i've been hearing him he's, mentioned everywhere and i have no idea how i was unaware of his existence until i started playing Utapri. yeah because he's one of the biggest names right now and he right. actually has i have no clue he has a very very good range i don't want this to be yes. anything like against him as an actor he has he's great. got a lot of he he's got a lot of range a lot more than a lot of voice actors these days but there's still there's this one particular kind of character that just feels aggressive like the very over the top the 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 Tamaki Suos <laughs> yes um and this character is like Tamaki turned up to not even to 11 to 12 okay <laughs> it's so much but um, other than like, I mean, other than this, like, he's not a bad guy. He's just a lot. Um, but other than that, like, you know, it's sweet. The main characters are sweet. They're nice. They don't have a whole lot of personality. Um, Teresa is a very like typical sort of, you know, princess princess. Um, and I don't think, and I do think Tata is going to fall in love unfortunately yeah because that was that was the thing wasn't it Tada never falls in love like I did see some conversation around that with the hopes that this might be some asexual aromantic representation yeah and it doesn't look like that's no, what it is I think that was sort of always wishful thinking um not to be dismissive not to be dismissive just because no that's just how anime tends to work it disappoints you yes <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant, but okay. But it's not entirely untrue. <laughs> That's not what I meant. The genre okay. of disappointment. I mean, we've just talked about Magical Girl Ore, so... Oh, and Darling <laughs> yeah. in the Frame uh, we... did air yesterday. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we all, we all hope for good representation, and we very much appreciate the few times we do truly get it. Mm. I think that's fair to say. Um, Tada never falls in love but I mean what the way I've heard it described is I was hoping for some kind of representation but I like where it's going instead so that's yeah you know if you if you're looking for a kind of fluffy romance mm-hmm. my understanding is that Tada never falls in love is looking likely to deliver right. that it's yeah no it's 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 sweet it's just very slight and it's not an anime that I think people are ever going to go back to or revisit um <laughs> that's damning which is like <laughs> Because it's kind of flimsy. Yeah, yeah. Or... There's just not okay. a lot to it. There's not really a lot of sense of, sense that it's building toward something or like it. There's no like bite to it. It's just yeah. I, I it, it, it. There's just not a lot of momentum. 
I guess is the way to put it. Okay. Um, it doesn't do anything expecting ex unexpected, except for sometimes the cat narrates the episodes, which is always a good thing. <laughs> now I know why D likes it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like all three of our of our anime in the it's complicated category firmly deserve to be there. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's fine. We're we're not steering you wrong, listeners. Okay, moving on. Harmless fun. Again, this is a fairly long category, but I don't think we're watching all of them. So, Gekigen no Kitaro, um, either of you watching that? Uh, yeah, I'm a little behind on that one, too. I actually skipped the middle few episodes in order to watch the last couple. Mm -hmm. And I was so glad I did, because episode seven is one of the best standalone episodes of anime I think I've ever seen within within a series that isn't episodic and isn't anthology-based. Episode seven of Gekigen no Kitaro, like, I would recommend that to Better than Chizilla? anyone. Sorry. Better than Chizilla? Well, you know, it's a tough it's a tough contest, yeah, it's but thing, I yeah. think Kitaro may just take this one. Okay. It was exceptional. It felt it felt like Junjito almost. It wasn't quite as twisted as that. Um okay. it is a little bit hard going. Um content warnings for that episode. It deals quite heavily in things like suicide. I mean it's opening the opening scene is a suicide, so just be aware of that, go into it knowingly. Um but it is a very well-handled episode, which was not what I was expecting, because until then, Kitaro has been pretty much kind of monster of the week, mm -hmm. and it's got its kind of colorful cast of characters, and Kitaro's got these kind of comedic, not comedic, sorry, that's just how I view it, um, his attacks, including like his remote control getter sandal. Oh, yeah, I can't take them seriously. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're cool it's fights. It's cartoony. But, yeah. it, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. And... Um, episode seven is not like that okay. at all. Oh dang! It's very yeah. You should watch it, Peter. You, I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, I sort of uh, described it. I think is like Detective Conan meets Hellgirl, uh, <laughs> and I guess that's probably more on the Hellgirl side. So I'm down. Right. I, I like the series Epi a lot. Yeah, episode seven could have fit into the the Jinjito series okay. um, quite comfortably. Nice. Um, although again, not quite as body horror. And, uh, Not quite as body horror. I remember in the first episode you had some concerns about. Oh my god, I forgot her name. Uh, the the mana. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't go away now. I because I I usually agree with the I you know I agree with the core of all the premiere reviews that go out there. I've never read a premiere review that I completely disagree with. Mm -hmm. That's that's never happened. Um, but there was one aspect of Dee's premiere review where she was more favorable towards Mana than I was. And for Dee, Mana was actually kind of the saving grace of the episode. Mana is this high school girl who calls Kitaro in, not really expecting him to come. And then when she realizes who he is and what he does, she wants to help. And by trying to help, she screws everything up. And her clumsiness is kind of her defining her clumsiness and spunk and cheerfulness and determination. And it, it just does not work for me as a bundle of character traits. Mana's fine. But I don't like I I don't consider her a positive element of the episode. But for D, she really was. So your mileage will vary on this. Um, for me, that hasn't really improved. Uh, I watched episode eight to to check, and yeah, it's it's no better. She she needs to be saved. I mean, she actually gets saved by a few people this time, which you know, freshing change. But it's it's not working for me. I think that's the but formula. I really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I really enjoy the the monsters, and I really like seeing Kitaro do his work. And he's actually such a calm presence. I thought he was going to be much more cartoony than he actually is. Yeah. Um. So I I enjoy a lot about Kitaro, like the the show. 
Um, but Mana just isn't working for me. I kind of almost wish she wasn't a main character and that they just had a different human interacting with Kitaro every week made it completely episodic. Yeah. That would be that would be preferable for me personally. It'd be really Hell Girl. <laughs> I haven't seen Hell Girl. I'll just add that to the long list of anime I haven't seen. Okay. Well, I could describe so. all Hell Girl, but we could we could probably just move on. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, yeah. let's move on to Gundam Build Divers. Uh, is anyone watching this one? Mm, no. Okay, Lauren is watching this one because it's about Gumpla. For those <laughs> unaware, Lauren runs a blog called Gumpla 101, which is all about building Gumpla. Um, and she's a huge Gundam fan, and I think she reviews Gundam series quite often for Anime News Network. Mm -hmm. And she does panels Um, at conventions. and Right, exactly. That was the one panel I slept through when I visited (laughs) for Autocon. (laughs) Sorry, Lauren. (laughs) That was the morning I woke up late and went, oh dear, I cannot be ready right now. Um, Yeah, I think there is a character in there. Let me see if I can remember this. I think there is a character in there who is gender Mm non-conforming and... We, we got asked recently if we were going to talk about Gundam Bill Divers because the treatment of McGee... McGee? Wow, what a name. Okay, the treatment of McGee, McGee's gender ambiguity continues to fascinate me, but I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. Um, and Lauren said that uh, she wants to see more. We haven't even seen McGee's Gundam yet. And that it's not... Uh, it's a fascinating character, but he's just not got any goals do you know what i should have prepared this <laughs> you can just cut this out. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so gundam build divers i think lauren is watching this there is a character in that he's got some gender ambiguity but we haven't seen yet how it's handled so probably best to check back at the end of series check-in to see if that's handled any better i don't think gundam will build divers will have finished by then is i'm assuming it's a long series um, but we can certainly ask Lauren by then what she thinks and kind of bring her opinion onto the show. Okay, moving on. Good as any money pitch. Did either of you watch any of this? No. I watched the first episode. Yeah, I watched half of the first episode and it was all I could take before switching it off because it was just so pointless. It's kind of like, uh, I think it's kind of like Kagi, except with lower stakes where it's a lot of like, uh, kind of like gambling theory and money and it really gets into baseball and stuff, which... I'm not too interested in gambling or baseball, so <laughs> I wasn't the target audience, I guess. But I think it has to be somebody who's interested in in both things, right? It was, it, I mean, the part that I saw was just him working out how much his he was getting paid and how much other people were getting paid and how much their pay might change depending on their performance in matches. Matches? Games? I don't know what you call baseball. Yeah. It didn't the numbers come out so, to like a couple hundred thousand a year though, like minimum. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel like, I, man, you sure do live a hard knock life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I kind of got lost in all the numbers and as well because it was discussing it in yen. I had no kind of basis for for comparison there. It's, I was kind of trying to work out the exchange rates in my head, but because the numbers are so high, it then gets really difficult <laughs> and it was it was hard to get a handle on that one and i'd be really interested to know if anyone listening to this has continued with good as any and is actually like enthusiastic about it. it i don't know either and i completely understand that because it feels so niche it feels like it's for a really specific mm-hmm. audience and unless you you have this particular cross-section of interests and a tolerance for lots of numbers flying around it's not going to work yeah Let's see. Hina Matsuri. That is one I know you're watching, Peter. Yep. I'm watching it. Anime of the season. No. 
It's so good. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so enjoying it. It's like, I don't know, how do you even talk about it? It's so perfect. Well, you put together a really good article about how it's three shows in one. If you can just kind of break that down a bit, because I think that sums up its appeal really well. Uh, yeah, so, well, I mean, I would have totally been down just if it was the first show, which is uh, Hina yes. showing up in Nita's lap, and uh, kind of, it's like a becomes a found family kind of drama between a psychic girl from another dimension and a, and a Yakuza guy who's surprisingly uh, uh, parental, I guess. I mean, it's great, isn't it? Because even, as you say, even that was handled so well. Like the comedy timing and pacing and animation is just perfect. It's just so beautifully put together mm -hmm. that that would have been enough. Yeah, the jokes are really good. Uh, but the, yeah. the show has since evolved with the arrival of Anzu and the introduction of Hitomi. So uh, it Anzu's portion, I, I mean, the whole premise for Anzu being homeless is kind of absurd because I think it was mostly just because she was too proud to go back and say, oh, I actually can't get back home because you ruined my device, cause, but I already said we'll never see each other again, so this would be super awkward. And now both of them I know mean, she's hashtag homeless. British problem, yeah. I can completely relate. But both of them <laughs> discovered anyway, and she still has that problem. But that ended up becoming kind of like this really... I like There was one episode which was actually really harsh uh, where she like finally stops being homeless. Uh yeah. And uh, like the the local homeless population sort of mentor her, and she like has all these misunderstandings about how money works and the amount of money that is required for a lot of things. So uh, she's sort of like lifted out of these bad circumstances, but in the process, uh, kind of loses all the important connections she made in her life. And it's like it's it's a harsh episode actually, uh, but you know yeah. it's kind of like uh, optimistic and heartwarming. And then the next episode is her learning how to work in the ramen shop. I love her new parents, too, because uh, yes. each time she has some sort of misunderstanding that's based in, like, like oh, like, you have food that costs 800 yen. I only made 600 yen per day. And then <laughs> the mom starts crying and goes to get tissues again. It's, yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah. I'm not sure it handles the line between humanizing homeless people and homelessness and kind of making it clear that this is not a kind of warm and fuzzy environment because it, it does sort of roast into it a bit and a little that bit felt quite uncomfortable watching it like it doesn't need to be all grief all the time or anything like that and actually you do end up feeling really moved but yeah. it does it does seem like a very safe environment for a young girl and i'm not sure that's uh, I'm not sure that's uh, exactly as well handled as it could be. True. But I do appreciate that it, it pretty much all the character homeless people she runs into are like real people who. Yes. Uh, I think that, I, and one of the reasons they mentor her is because they're actually concerned that she's <laughs> going to be in danger being homeless, I think. So I yeah. I feel and I mean, it's, they could have they could have easily done something else with the homeless characters, right? So. Yeah. And exactly, if I could choose between kind of humanizing homeless people or kind of making clear the dangers of homelessness, I'd pick the humanization. So they've they've come down on the side I would choose, yeah. but they come down quite far on that side. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of no hint that Anzu is at any point at any risk at all. Yeah. So the stakes are quite low in her homelessness. But it's, I mean, it would be kind of tonally jarring, I think, if they went too far in the other direction. It so. would. <laughs> it definitely would. Although she does have psychic yeah. powers, so that's a, a leg up. Uh, Hitomi is the third one, and I call her the cosmic victim uh, because <laughs> she's very <laughs> compassionate, uh, but it's just like the entire universe is trying to make her suffer for being a nice person, uh, which uh, is kind of, that's probably like the, the area of the show I'm more touch and go on. 
because um, I don't like seeing nice people get punished for being nice. <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the jokes themselves are funny, but it, like, uh, and I think it sort of finds a balance because she gets some little glimmers of happiness. I hope it, like, she get there's some sort of upward trajectory involved. Um, but a lot of it's just, uh, like, oh, she tries to help a friend and ends up, like, missing an entire night's sleep and, like, getting sick <laughs> and then actually passing out on her feet. Uh, or, like, those friends who wanted to help her because they thought that actually wasn't that great a subplot because of all the, like, I don't know. I guess they didn't really make too many abuse jokes. They, they were just afraid she was being abused. And then the whole thing just turned into, oh, I guess Hitomi's not in that bad a situation, so let's dogpile her and also start making fun of her. Yeah, but, I mean, just the whole thing's super funny. Yeah, they have a track record of taking these kind of dangerous situations and not going the cliche direction with it. Yeah. I think so. Like you talked about in the one of the earliest episodes, where they all go to a, a cabaret club together, mm-hmm. or there's like an underage girl goes into a bar and ends up with a, a drunk salary man, and like you would expect that to go in a really bad direction. Yeah. And instead, it ends up with something really light and funny and not dangerous at all. Yeah, you always think it's going to get into something dark, and then it pulls back and uh, just makes a really absurdist, humorous situation instead. I think Anzu's the only one that's actually had like some real like impactful moments but they were all kind of like positive right uh so i mean it was still yeah. positive it was just like actually like um they focused on the drama rather than like converting to comedy in the last second i was just saying it's good at the, like it's good at like making you think it's gonna do something dark or awful or like be dramatic and then just do something really stupid and funny instead in a good way yeah. Um, except Anzu, yeah. where it gets really, uh, it, she has her moments where it's actually, they do follow through on the drama and lead you to, to like a, a heartwarming scene instead. Yeah, they don't follow the, the kind of comedy rule of always end with a joke. Yeah. Like always end a heartwarming scene with a joke. They don't do that. So sometimes Anzu is just like, yeah. there's that one episode where she's she's actually crying and they just ended on that note. Yeah. Like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, Anzu, like, with because of Anzu, I guess you kind of don't actually know what you're going to get, which keep makes the, yeah. the comedy conversion still funny. It's got a lot of really smart writing in it. And, I mean... Yeah, you it, could never have predicted where Anzu's arc was going mm-hmm. based on her first appearance. It definitely plays with a lot of problematic themes, though, but uh, in the same way, it always steps backward, too, so you never really feel like they're going over the line. And I do, like, the, the stories it's telling it is telling well. Like, the found family story between Hina and Nita, like, that is progressing beautifully. And yeah. it's it's going into a really heartwarming place, um, considering he kicked her out of his apartment for days <laughs> yeah. just a few episodes ago. Um, it, it is actually, it's still telling a proper story. It isn't just an excuse to string gags together. It is going somewhere there is development. And I really appreciate that about it because it handles the gags really well too. Mm-hmm. It feels like a four panel manga. I don't know if it's that, if that's what it's based on. Uh, it's, um, a, it's just a traditional manga. Uh, okay well it's got that kind of snappy yeah yeah it's full of one-liners yeah exactly it's full of one-liners it's full of kind of background jokes if that makes sense Mm -hmm. where the the comedy is is just a a throwaway line or a throwaway moment it is full of that and it handles it so well and i think it is the the kind of gold standard for comedy this season yeah it's got like a lot of arrested development running gigs too it's it's just really good comedic writing absolutely Okay, we should we should move on because I feel like we could talk about this for a really long time. <laughs> um, last period, you're still watching that, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I uh, I <laughs> I depending upon the episode, I really like it or it's uh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it hasn't okay. really done anything bad past some of the character designs. Um, I don't. It doesn't. It never really gets into that kind of stuff. Uh, so far, each episode. It's so weird because I mean, ostensibly, it's a series created to sell a gotcha game, um, but they actually do an episode about how gotcha destroys your life. The main character literally spends his life savings trying to get a single five star roll. Uh, oh, then no. everybody's like, hey, you should stop spending your money that way. And he yells at all of them, like, you don't tell me how to spend my money. And he has a breakdown and everybody shames him. <laughs> uh, oh, my word. Yeah, so I I don't – I'm surprised they get away with that kind of stuff. They had an episode about how if you're the series isn't doing well, you can just have a Hot Springs episode and, like, bring in some <laughs> good voice actors and – and like I mean they don't they don't like uh, they don't really do the hot springs episode in that way but uh, it it was just kind of like a a takedown of all these like really kind of uh uh pragmatic anime practices that are used to make money uh yeah. and then it just does I don't know weird stuff. the last episode was uh, the main villain is the assistant to the the leader of the organization they work for so she's leading this double life I I don't know if she's trying to sabotage the main leader or something she's very casual about it uh, so it has an episode from her perspective where she says, oh, yeah, I'm the villain, uh, and I work under her, so I'm leading this double life where I'm trying to destroy the person I'm working for. As to why I'm doing that, I'm not really going to tell you, but here's an episode about my daily life. Uh, and she really wanted to go to an amusement park at, with her friends, so she invites the main character in the gang, and they're busy. So she invites Wise Man, the, the Team Rocket people. And they want to go. <laughs> so she's like, cool, I'll go. But then Haru's plans change. So she ends up having to go with both groups. And the whole episode is about her having to switch costumes over and over again to hang out with both groups. Because she really wanted to go with them and she's enjoying her time with both groups. And it sort of defies that usual convention by she gets really good at it rather than it like slowly coming to pieces. <laughs> and the whole thing, she's doing this personal journal where she does crayon drawings of everything that's happening. <laughs> and it's just so absurd. I don't know what to make of it. It's, it's really funny. Is it consistent still with the notes that were made in the premiere review? I'd probably say uh, there were like warning signs just based on some early character designs, but I, it hasn't really just it hasn't even gotten into it. So, so it still I, deserves to be in harmless fun. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Okay, it's good. Excellent. Okay, Legend of the Galactic Heroes Dinoyatese. Oh dear, Dinuthis. <laughs> Dinuthis. That's what I call yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, German viewers. Sorry. Mm. Um, I haven't watched this because I kind of, I don't know, I've kind of got the impression that it would be like spoilers for the long series, which I still want to watch. So I haven't watched any of this. Have either of you? No. What it's just it? people sitting Caitlin. in chairs talking. Legend of Galactic Heroes. No. <laughs> uh, I watched all of the original, even though I found it incredibly boring. Oh wow! Okay, controversial. Yeah, it's supposed to be a remake, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes, I would like to see the original first. I think, but we'll see. We'll see. There was a lot of anime to choose from this season. In a less packed season, I might have watched it regardless. Um, but since I was being a bit choosier, I just didn't. Yeah, I honestly, um, I thought about watching this one because apparently it has more of Yang. Who is the okay, best yeah. thing? <laughs> I understand he's a bit of a fan <laughs> the, favorite. The best thing about the original series, um, <laughs> but um, so that that actually does make me a little bit more interested. But it's not super high on the list. Speaking of <laughs> Sword Art Online Alternative, Gun Girl Online, yeah. <laughs> with the really 
Hachi, hashtag S-A-O-A-G-G-O. I kept, I tried to look up tweets about it earlier and I could not for the life of me remember the name of it. So I just put all the letters in all the wrong order a few times. <laughs> it is not convenient. Um, I tried to watch an episode of this earlier and actually I found it really disturbing because it was just full of guns and it was full of bullets. And, you know, in recent weeks we've had Santa Fe, we've had Parkland. It was just too much and you know i come from a country where i am not exposed to guns at all so it it felt just deeply uncomfortable to me and i couldn't make it through a full episode mm. how was it for both of you uh well i'm current um i'm american so i'm desensitized to guns and exactly was exactly uh, white male american as well you know yeah so, uh, yeah, I actually, I'm pretty surprised because it's six hour writing this uh, with some of the stuff he's done. Um, there's this group, the main character fights. Uh, the, when in the squad jam tournament they started off with, it ends with her facing off against an all-female team of diverse body types uh, who she beats. Oh, yeah. And she finds out it's a rhythmic gymnastic team at a local high school. Uh, <laughs> Not so diverse. Yeah, What's that? Not so diverse, then. Uh, the character uh, creation. No, the, the, their avatars have diverse body types. Yes, so, that they themselves are a group of young high school girls. Yeah, I do think... Isn't I, there, like, random character creation in the um, games? Is that what the I, deal I, is? I don't know. That's I don't know, because that's not true in the original, and that was a problem the main character had, but I don't know about... I, I don't... I just... I don't know if that's the case for everybody. <laughs> I have no idea. Because right. the other characters seem to... I think one of them, like, specifically, like, she says, I have a Hollywood character. Uh, or, like, a, she looks like a Hollywood actress, so she apologizes for putting on airs or something like that. I don't know if everybody's just got random character gen, if that's something new with Six Hour or what, because that wasn't the case in the original SAO. Uh, and they played Gun Gale online, and that wasn't the case. So, I, I don't know. But uh, it's... Um, yeah, they seem to like playing the diverse body types i i don't know i mean they are all high school girls who are on a rhythmic gymnastics team so i guess they don't have that but i think it's interesting that they seem uh enthusiastic about playing like um one of them's like a, a six and a half foot tall kind of amazon type and the other one's really burly so i i don't know maybe i shouldn't yeah. be giving it points how, but i think that's how is the better than all the main character handled the little Len. girl in pink. Uh, her whole Len. deal is she's six feet tall in Japan, so she feels like a freak of nature, I guess. Uh, so she plays Len, and I guess her the recent events kind of have helped her get over that. And also, the the new girls uh, <laughs> said she looks like a supermodel, uh, so she doesn't feel so awkward about her height anymore because she That's sort of good. made friends with the the Amazon. Because like I'm kind of short, and I wish I was tall. But every time there's a tall female character in anime, they want to be short. And it's a little like, come on. Mm-hmm. Let girls right. be tall. I don't know. Yeah. The gut, like, the I've seen screenshots being posted, and it looks like it goes some bizarre places with its gun fetishism, though. I but mean, I don't feel like it's too different from the Gun Gale arc in Sword Art Online. I didn't They're... watch that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, there are guns. I mean, she does, like, really like her... <laughs> Well, actually, I guess like her P ninety becomes sentient for a, a little while. Yes. She like she has this freak out moment, and then her guns just like, "Don't worry, I'll protect you." And it grows anime eyes. It's I don't I don't know what he was doing with that. I don't know. Like I just 
there's there's one more thing I think is sort of relevant to discussion is uh, Len's best friend in game is this uh, kind of crazy girl named Pito, who's uh, kind of oh, yeah. wild. Uh, I who is one hundred percent played by the idol who she likes listening to Erica something. Um, so and I mean, these things always go in anime. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean they, there there was some the, some signaling so far. Uh, so, uh, but it seems like she. They, they talk about life stress a lot and why they play this game is just to get away from the shit that's causing them trouble in real life. So there, it seems like there's building this narrative where, I mean, uh, Pito is kind of crazy, but uh, it kind of comes down to she uh, is an idol and has to act like, you know, innocent and chaste and, you know, all that stuff that comes with being an idol in Japan. But that doesn't really, that's not her. So she plays these games and acts like this wild, like gun crazy fighter because she feels like that's closer to her personality and it's the way she lets off stress while having to like make this public face of being you know what, what you'd expect of a japanese idol which i think was another kind of surprising turn by six and i mean blowing off steam is totally something that people cite as reasons for enjoying kind of video games. games and things like that so yeah <laughs> video games in general yeah but so like combat based video games in particular yeah so it's that on top um, so- of like it's maybe it's hard to be an idol and put on these airs when that's probably not a very realistic representation of most people yeah yeah i'd be interested to know how many people are watching this because i haven't seen a whole lot of discussion about it it is being talked about it's popular yeah i mean it's i I don't doubt it Mm. um but it's it's just something i haven't seen a whole lot on i don't know maybe i blocked it out it was some it was one i wasn't really expecting to get into even though i really like sword art online um, Gun Gale Online is not my favorite part of that. Um, and Also, there's no Asuna, so what's the point? There's no Asuna, yeah, yeah. and I, I don't do too well with spinoffs that have no kind of cast in common. Um, and yeah, Len's appearance just really put me off. I can't stand pink as a general rule, yeah. so that was mm-hmm. an instant no for yeah. me. I've, um, I've made my thoughts clear on pink washing. Uh-huh. <laughs> But at the same time, it sounds like that's not the only world. And if there's this kind of six foot woman in Japan who's who's not dressed in pink and rabbit ears and or is it cat ears and a hat, yeah, I don't know, yeah, then there ears. may be more there that I would appreciate. But there's a lot of guns to wade through to get to that, and that is just not for me. Though I completely understand it will be for some people, and do not begrudge you that in the slightest. Okay, something completely different. Yotsuro, <laughs> Yotsuro, <laughs> Biori. <laughs> I watched three episodes of this today, and I loved it. Are either of you watching it? Nope. Nope. Okay. I will represent then, as Dee requested, because Dee is thoroughly enjoying this, and I completely get it. Um, I watched the first episode, and I was a bit concerned it was going to be this kind of episodic slice of life, um, Iashke, and it, it is Iashke. It's got that kind of healing feel to it, and it is somewhat slice of life but it is not episodic there is a through line there there's a character who shows up in the first episode that you sort of assume is going to be important and consistent and recurring and she may be recurring but she's clearly not that important because she's not in the next two episodes at all um so it the core cast is these four guys who work who run a a traditional japanese tea shop uh they create kind of traditional sweets 
Uh, they serve traditional tea, but they also serve like lattes with the worst latte art in the world. And it's <laughs> sweet. It's funny. I'm enjoying it. It's going somewhere, which I appreciate. Love me some linear storytelling. Um, and I just really got into it. There's more going on than I thought there was based on the first episode. And by the third episode, that's really clear. So I'm looking forward to seeing more. I meant to get caught up to episode six before before talking today, but I started way too late for that. Um, but I am looking forward to seeing more. I think I will watch it to the end. And hopefully Dee will be around next time to talk about it herself and represent it because I know she is loving it. And I completely understand that. So <laughs> next category, <laughs> feminist potential, major second. Are either of you watching this? No. I forgot it existed. No. Nope. Baseball's so boring. Sorry, baseball fans. <laughs> um, again, Dee would have some things to say if she were here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not watching it. I do like sports shows. Uh, I do like sports shonen shows, but I forgot it existed, so I haven't watched it, and I haven't seen anything about it, which is why I forgot it existed, so presumably not many people are watching it. Um, in contrast, Megalobox, yeah. I think... Everyone I know is watching that, except possibly Caitlin. Mega popular box. Yeah, I'm the only person, like, the only <laughs> the anime fan who is not watching Megalobox. <laughs> yeah. We found her. You can, you can do what you no, will. No, don't do what you yeah. will. Megalobox is so enjoyable to watch. I really, I, I get completely immersed in it when I watch it. The art style just drags me in and will not let me go. I mean, I really like that kind of earthy look anyway the like, enforced like, old aspect ratio yeah, yeah. i'll take it i'll take okay. it <laughs> but that kind of that it does feel hand-drawn and it does feel like somebody has physically colored it in with like paint or something like you can tell my, my lack of knowledge here mm -hmm. but it feels Grainy. very down to earth it feels very it feels yeah, earth i keep coming back to this word earth earthy yeah. like that's exactly how it feels it feels like when i've watched 1970s anime it's got that same kind of it's a good callback to it to me <laughs> mm -hmm. so i'm really enjoying it aesthetically but also i kind of like where the the series is going i don't know much about ashton or joe um tomorrow's joe sorry um and i've i've never seen any version of it so i'm just enjoying it for what it is but i like where it's going Peter, you're probably more knowledgeable about me, uh, more knowledgeable than I am about this. Uh, I mean, I think it's okay. <laughs> I, I might surprise people. I'm not, I'm not super into it like a lot of other people are. Um, I think it's, a, it, it is a kind of, I'm very interested in like their aesthetic choices and like the, so I know it drives all my like graphic design friends insane that they used to enforce the lower ratio or uh, resolution to like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why they did it. Um, but I, I think that was a really, like, a lot of the decisions they've made aesthetically, artistically, and in regards to the setting are really interesting. I think uh, what they've done with Yoko from uh, the original Tomorrow's Joe is uh, cool because they kind of made her a more um, active character in the series. Um, but I don't know. Watching it, I just kind of feel like Hajime no Ippo is way better. <laughs> that, that's a really bad thing to think, but when I'm watching it, I'm just like, man, like, because he does like a counterpunch and it's supposed to be this really big moment. And I just remember every time Miata counterpunched somebody in Hajime no Ippo and I just feel kind of let down. I don't want to, I don't want to like 
I consider it that way. I just feel like <laughs> that's awful. I've seen like the <laughs> apex of boxing and everything else pales in comparison. <laughs> okay, well that's a bit unfortunate. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Hajime no Ippo, you'll probably enjoy it more. And if you haven't, if you haven't seen Hajime no Ippo and you're not a graphic designer, it sounds like you're gonna love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the main character story is definitely good. Uh, I I'm in it for the entire series. Uh, I just. Uh, like everybody's talking about how it's like this masterpiece and i think it's um a solid anime (laughs) (laughs) that's fair that's fair like i'm enjoying seeing where it's going i'm not sure i'll watch it again yeah i probably won't that makes sense um but i've i've not seen hajime no ippo yet so maybe i'll see that and it will just leave megalobox oh you're gonna you'd love hajime no ippo it's all the all the stuff you love yeah (laughs) all the stuff i love seriously looking forward to it the watch along is coming um okay there's not really a lot to say about it right it's i'm i think a lot of people are enjoying it there's not a whole lot of female characters um but this is i think very much a show about that kind of masculinity which as typically kind of shown in rival well i guess this is more seinen mm-hmm. um those kind of rivalry sports yeah kind of anime tend to be telling stories of masculinity and that's yeah i'd say there's, there's not necessarily going to be a lot of women around for that. it is notable they've taken yoko and like given her a more active role in fact i like yeah. I, I don't know where they're going to go with that but so far she's way more important than the original one was so okay. i think that that the taking the one female character there was and kind of like racing her up like that is cool although it, it all depends on how that sort of plays out in the second half we'll see how it goes and come back to it then Persona 5, the animation, Caitlin. Right. I'm really sorry. I haven't seen any of this yet. <laughs> um, you know, it's... I Okay, <laughs> all right. So I cannot... You so wanted me to see this. Uh, I, and I still... Now I haven't. I thought you'd be really mad at me. Uh, it's, it's complicated. I cannot... Because um, I cannot watch it through fresh eyes. I have played the game through twice. It's hard for me to say, like, whether or not it is... Uh, Good, a good experience for someone who has not uh, played the game before. Okay. Um, I still... How is it an experience for you? For me, um, you know, mm-hmm. it is... I like it. I like it still. I look forward to watching it every week with my with my friend. It's a lot of fun, sort of seeing things better animated than the anime cutscenes in the game and you know able to sort of break out of that like game fixed camera perspective and be able to sort of play with the shots and the body language and the environments um i don't think it's going to fix the issues that the game had okay I mean, it is the game it's same story yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm oh really uh it i enjoyed the game more uh Okay. Some of the aesthetics that they do, like they, like there, there's a cutscene in the game where you go back to the Velvet Room, which is kind of like, it's hard to explain. Uh, but the main guy gives the character a new ability, and they do that in the anime. And I'm like, what's what is the purpose of this scene in the anime? Because uh, I don't care if he's got like this new mechanic. It's like it's like you can combine Persona together to make stronger Persona. But the first time you do it, you exchange Arsene Lupin for a goblin in a jar. 
Uh, and that's that's your new persona. I, this is, that was one of the biggest letdowns in the game. This is making no yeah. sense to me at the moment. You, you, I am so You lost. have this really cool persona, and then you replace it for, like, the world's worst Pokemon uh, <laughs> and, and, and in-game. And I was like, wow, this was a really letdown moment in, in-game. I thought that was dumb. And then they did the whole thing over again in the anime where the, the you didn't even get the mechanical benefits that that goblin in the pot gave you in that specific fucking fight. So I'm like... It was like, why? Why did they do this oh, at that man. moment? Uh, I, so okay, now I actually really want to see it. So. It's, <laughs> I mean, it, it's super confusing. Like, I if I was watching you. that and I didn't know the game, I'd be like, why? What just happened? Arsene Lupin got turned into a goblin in a pot. Yeah, why? like <laughs> just a lot of the sense, sort of, and and the sort of changing personas is kind of a central part of the conceit in the game, but like. I mean, when I per- first played Persona 4, which was the first Persona game I played, um, I did not want to fuse my uh, orig- like my starter Persona. That yeah, Lupin's <laughs> so much cooler. It's because what you start with is always so, so much cooler. I know! The same thing happens to Makoto, where they replace her uh, sentient motorcycle with a uh, really bad mech. Oh, well, spoilers. The anime mm. hasn't gotten there yet. I mean... Yeah, no, it's true. It's, it, <laughs> Um, but anyway, so, like, yeah, a lot of the sort of central conceits in the game aren't really, like, explained or make sense in the anime because, like, the whole thing is, the game is that, like, you're the wild card, you can change your persona, which is really, which is a unique quality, um, and it sort of reflects, like, how you sort of have to, um, respond to different people differently and, like, you know, recontextualize uh, the sort of way you're behaving for the situation, right? Like, that's sort of the whole thing with the game, but, like, that mm-hmm. doesn't really come across in the anime. Um, I really love the Persona series. Like, I mean, I I love the sort of the, the current trilogy of 3, 4, and 5. Um, I haven't played 1 and 2 yet, um, but... Well, yeah, you can so just like, watch Caligula. There's, there's, there's sort of so much in the going on in the games that just really can't translate to anime, and that's sort of always the, been the issue with every game to anime adaptation. Like it just, unless it is like a visual novel, unless it is something that's primarily story, a lot of the stuff yeah. in the game just can't get translated, and a lot of times people don't really know how to handle that because they're still trying to stay very faithful to the game yeah i think i think that's my main beef with the show and kind of like my way of summarizing it is i am very disappointed by the creative decisions they made because they tried to keep the fidelity of the game rather than making an anime that can stand on its own merits i agree so like the main character ren is just kind of like this amorphous faceless character who has (sighs) responses that you can give to make the character however you want it to be so I figured, oh, maybe they'll give Ren a personality in this anime and, and like, you know, his own character. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. He's <laughs> no, literally just still just, a faceless nothing, except he he's just, got some actual lines now. He's very pretty, but mostly he just kind of stands there and every so often he whispers, like, a repeat of what something else said. Like, I thought in the first anime they were, like, from the first episode, I thought they were going to give him more personality because they did a little bit with, like, his body language. So, like, maybe... Maybe he would just kind of be a quiet guy who doesn't speak much, but like has his own 
Wait, and I still keep calling him Akira because that was his like name in the manga. With so yeah, um, but like yeah, they definitely did not like take that where it could have gone. And like the Persona Four anime, for all of its flaws, its many many flaws, at least it gave the main <laughs> character personality. Okay, I am going to watch some of this before we record end of season podcast so that I can kind of comment on this because I, as you say you, you're not sure if it actually translates for somebody who's completely new to the franchise and I haven't got a clue what Persona's about um, I picked up little bits from the conversation you two just had mm. but that's that's it so you, we'll see we'll see how it comes across if you're not going to play the game go ahead and watch the anime and uh, I'm not going to play the okay, game okay you specifically <laughs> Amelia should probably at least get to Makoto's uh <laughs> Awakening or whatever the hell they call it when you go Persona, <laughs> they don't have a name for okay. it. Warning, I think there is you will like nonsense. that. There's boob nonsense yeah. with Anne. No, yeah. I mean, it's mostly just yeah. her being sexualized by pretty much every character she meets. It's yeah. Great. Oh no, big deal. Yeah. I'm I'm totally cool with yeah. that. <laughs> okay. So enjoy. Thanks. Sure. Um, <laughs> moving on, feminist themes. This is our final category, and these are the shows that have some. thematic content that is inherently feminist so regardless of how it explores it like the the feminist content is there but depends on how well they handle it so starting off golden kamui now this was a really hotly anticipated anime based on quite a recent manga i think um and the feminist theme here was the handling of ainu culture so japan as we know it is actually a very recent invention and um, where Hokkaido is now, that used to be called Ezochi, and that used to be, that had indigenous people who are called the Ainu. And this is all about how you have a Japanese person and an Ainu person interacting, and the Japanese guy is learning about Ainu culture. And it's something that you do not see explored very much at all. And the idea of ethnic minorities within Japan or within within what would be considered Japanese, because Ainu people are considered Japanese, even though there is also an Ainu register. Like one of my teachers at university was an Ainu expert, so I heard all about kind of his experience with Ainu people, and it was really interesting. Yeah. But that was probably the, the most I've heard about Ainu culture, despite studying Japan, despite living in Japan, despite visiting Hokkaido. Like that, the, the most I heard about it was in some classroom in England. So it's it's really incredible to see it in such detail here. But the actual anime itself, as an anime, I'm not sure how I feel about it. I don't know. What's what's your experience with it? Caitlin, are you even watching it? Uh, no. I'm not. I'm not too surprised, and I don't really blame you. Um, but Peter, you're definitely watching it. Oh yeah, it. I love Golden Kamui. It's great. Great. Why do you love it? Um. Well, I read the manga last year. I really, really, really liked it. I think it's got great characters. Um, it's got this really interesting balance of uh, kind of teaching you stuff, having good, really charming character at, at like moments, and then also being <laughs> extremely violent at times. Uh, and none of those things yeah. really feel like they're at odds. Uh, so a lot of it is just... Uh, uh, Serpa actually keeping Sugimoto alive and teaching him about like Ainu culture and like cooking stuff and and all that. So I mean, uh, like she definitely doesn't take a backseat in the story. She's probably my favorite character. Um, 
And she's great. Yeah. She's so good. You're just sort of very organically learning all about what Ainu eat and how they live and their beliefs and like their tools and their methods of hunting and stuff like that as she's helping Sugimoto survive out in the wilds uh, against this really like like kind of written into history. Um, I, I called it. It was like national treasure. Type, but that I don't know. Not not much like a Nick Cage movie though. Uh, kind of like Hunt for Gold and. <laughs> They, there's all these, like, goofs and gags they do as well because both of them are, like, really quirky and Shiraishi's really weird. Um, but then, like, whenever there's a fight, it's just, like, some of the most brutal stuff I've ever seen. So, and I mean, I'm down for that, too. So I just think it's, like, the complete package. It's got everything. And the risk you have with a series like this is that it's going to go the kind of Dances with Wolves, The Last Samurai kind of direction. I mean, for the record, I love The Last Samurai because it's kind of a problematic fave. Um, it is hugely problematic. And Golden Kamui could have gone down this route where you have Sugimoto essentially going in as an outsider and becoming better at Ainu culture than the Ainu. Like that was a direction that it could have gone. Mm-hmm. And he could have been kind of beating a serpent at her own game. That's not the yeah. way this works. And I think they no. handled that <laughs> so skillfully because a serpent has this great moment where she says, I'm a new kind of Ainu girl. Oh, yeah. And I think that really sums up her role in the series as kind of a bridge between cultures. It's not just because she's like liaising. She is herself a new type of person within her culture and also within Japanese culture. And she observes some traditions, but not others. She's respectful of customs, but she doesn't necessarily follow them. And she teaches Sugimoto about her culture. And he kind of picks up some things from her, but at the same time, they really work as a team. She's not teaching him as a, as a kind of, I'd say she's not, she's not teaching him so that he can do the same thing she can do. He's, she's teaching him so that he understands what she's doing and why. Um, and he picks up bits and pieces, but she's still, she is serving a purpose. She is being useful. And she makes that point too. She doesn't appreciate being viewed as dead weight. She doesn't appreciate being treated as a child. She makes the point that she's seen some really rough things. She has dealt with some trauma and she is kind of half adult, half child, but Mm -hmm. she's also not treated as an adult, which I appreciate. She's not treated as an adult. She's not treated as a child. She's not sexualized. She's not infantilized. She is in this very unique position within the anime. And yeah. that's that's treated very well. I think there's one moment where her like the an elder in her village kind of tries to say to Sugimoto, please take this girl as a wife. She's no good at kind of womanly arts and therefore and she's like it's like cooking and stuff. Like she's talking not cooking, no, a super can cook. But she's talking about like crafts and stuff. Yeah. And she's saying she's terrible at these things, so no man will take her as a wife as she is. So can you please take her as a wife? And Asipa just refuses to translate, so Sugimoto has no idea what she said. And yeah. that's that's it. That's as far as it goes. Yeah. Oh, and, and after that, uh, I think uh, due to some misunderstandings, Sugimoto kind of leaves her behind because he gets cold feet about their yes. situation and almost immediately gets killed. And she has to save him <laughs> after that. And she basically says we're... After that, she well, she hits him <laughs> with a stick in the face. And she says, like, we're a team and you're not going to abandon me. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know, what, is, what was the threat? She basically says she'll kill him or something like that. Um, so yeah, She made the point. She's like, you're the one who walked away and now you're the one who's all beat up and needed rescuing. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> She's absolutely right. Yeah. She, it basically, the, the one time he tries to, like, protect her like a child or like you would a woman, uh, yeah. he's punished both <laughs> in uh, narratively and in character for it. 
uh, and she sort of reasserts yeah. her her usefulness. So I I really I thought that was uh, like a good thing it ended up doing with that. I think it's it's handled so well. She is the glue of the series. Mm. Like Sugimoto has this path that he he wants to follow, um, and he's facing all the obstacles. But Asirpa's presence is what makes that kind of enjoyable to watch, and it doesn't feel desperately dark even though there are some really rough moments yeah. and there is there are some violent moments um but Asirpa and Sugimoto together is just is great and then when Shiraishi shows up as well like it it turns into a really interesting dynamic mm-hmm. so I'm enjoying it but I I do spend kind of half my time watching it thinking maybe I should read the manga instead which probably isn't the ideal response uh, I think the the anime has a couple shortcomings, but overall, I think it's really good. And I just like seeing the characters, I like hearing the voice. I think the voice acting is really good. So I think just getting them in like another sensory mode besides just visual and reading is is nice. So that alone, I would probably be able to enjoy. Um, I do. I do also want to say uh, I've, I've been working with the series a lot on my end, and uh, I'm actually uh, we're translating that their Japanese website has a series of interviews with everyone who's working on the show or at least like prominent positions uh which uh, we've been translating and i've been putting up on the site and uh yeah like the, the through line that i'm getting is they're being extremely respectful of of all of the content related to i knew that they're putting in like in regards to anytime they like all, pretty much everything that a serpa's wearing they had to go through so many they well they went to hokkaido and like looked at actual cultural artifacts they went through like several series of approvals um, and it seems like uh, among a lot of them, there's this sense that what they're doing is very uh, kind of culturally important, or they're they're trying to be respectful of of this portrayal of Ainu people. Um, and like uh, working kind of around this issue, I, I've sort of been introduced to the current Japanese politics, which is I think the conservative position is that the Ainu people don't exist uh, in Japan right now. I, I'd love to hear like all of this from the word of an actual Ainu person. Um, but I, I think at least on the face of it, it's valuable that, um, it sounds like they're like facing cultural erasure from at least from like a large portion of Japanese, uh, the Japanese political environment. And this series is definitely kind of flying in the face of that and trying to be very respectful of, of their differences and portraying them in a positive light. Yeah. I think that really comes across. It's. It, it doesn't feel jarring at all it feels really it feels really respectful it feels really enjoyable so i will watch it to the end but then i would also like to seek out the manga i think mm-hmm. i'll definitely read the manga too yeah it doesn't get all the the great faces that's for sure <laughs> uh libra of nil admirari is either of you watching this i dropped it no yep Okay, I'm glad I caught up with it then, uh, <laughs> specifically to be able to quite, because I, I knew this was in our top three, yeah. and I knew that nobody else would be watching it, basically. Um, I think that the review we have is pretty much representative, though I would potentially, I would potentially drop it down to harmless fun. I think the feminist themes that it has are not handled I think they are there and they are left there for the most part. There are some great moments. Um, so this is, it says it's set in Taisho, Japan, which is roughly the 1920s, I think. I can't remember the exact time period, but it's a pretty short period um, between Meiji and Showa. And it is distracting 
to me that they have set it in a real Japanese time period. And I'm sort of looking at the the setting. Like, for example, they've got a shop front that has an English word as its name. It's called raspberry, and it's written as raspberry. There is no katakana, there is no kanji. It is the English word rama, uh, raspberry in Roman letters. I was just looking at that thinking, is that really is that really something that would have happened in Taisho, Japan? And there's, when they're talking, they're using katakana words like thrilling. They're saying suridingu. And I, I studied a little bit of um, Taisho era literature. And I remember at the time, the one example that we had was uh, there, were, there was the kanji for the words head and light. And above it was the katakana head doraito because the concept of headlights was unfamiliar at the time. Mm. So by having both the kanji and the katakana, you could kind of convey the meaning of this unfamiliar thing. So kanji words, no, sorry, katakana words were by no means as common as they are today at the very least. And it's, I mean, katakana is used for loan words mostly, and it shows up a fair amount. And it seems like their dialogue in Japanese is treated as modern day dialogue, like as you would hear Japanese people speaking now. So wait. And, about the katakana, yeah. like, wasn't katakana for a long time sort of used more like hiragana is used today? Yeah. 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 Okay. But it's I've, it's been a long evolution yeah. of language. Um, at this point, it is used mostly for loan words, um, sound effects, things like that. And that in the 20s, uh, sorry, in Taisho era Japan, it was certainly used for English words, foreign words. Okay. Um, and it's... It's just jarring. I, I wish that they had not specified a time period. I mean, I think they're trying to do something similar to if you saw a steampunk series. But when you call something Victorian London, for example, that implies there is a Queen Victoria. And Taisho Japan sort of implies there's an Emperor Taisho. That's not what his name was at the time. Um, but it sets it in such a specific way that if you have that kind of background, then maybe you you kind of find it jarring in a way that I did. So that that was a little bit frustrating to me but the moments that they do actually lean into the fact that it is Taisho era Japan it's super interesting and they talk about um, women working like the the main character is in the first episode she's set up in in a marriage that she, she's not got any interest in but her father tells her she's going to be married and it's something to do with helping the family and she just accepts it and she goes along with it and then by the end of the episode, she's decided to go and work for um, the agency that deals with uh, cursed books. And she later on kind of says, well, I really enjoy living in a communal space. I really enjoy working. I really enjoy earning money that I can spend however I like. I love this freedom. So we're, we're getting something of an arc from her. And she talks at another point about how um, about other working women in society. She's got a friend who's a journalist. Her boss is a woman within the agency. And she talks about these women. And there are male characters who some get it, some don't. Some are supportive, some aren't. And they, they're coming from kind of different levels of society, different backgrounds. There's one character who is the child of a sex worker. That comes up. And so it is, it is kind of... It is putting these potentially feminist topics in front of you and then it's not necessarily doing particularly feminist things with it or it's not necessarily doing anything with it to address these themes in a way that's satisfying or substantial so I'm not uh, I'm not sure I'd recommend this exactly it does feel like harmless fun if you like the aesthetic and you kind of enjoy that Otome visual novel 
hype story, then this is a perfectly serviceable example of that. I'm not put off it, but there's not as much here as I think we, we had hoped when watching the first episode. Mm. And the first episode is not really representative of what the rest of the series is. The second episode gets much closer to that. Oh, no. <laughs> did you watch the second yeah, I did. episode? <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I don't think this is one for you, Peter. Mm-hmm. Not my style. <laughs> not really. And yeah, the male suitors continue to be reasonably bland for the most part. Um, so yeah, I, I will probably try to carry on watching, but really, as a reviewer, not as a viewer, as a viewer, I probably would have dropped this already, just because I'm not not hooked. So that leaves us with. Watakoi, Love is Hard for an Otaku, which is a title that I Yeah, you really just don't like that title. I hate the title because they say love is hard for an otaku. And then by the end of episode one, love isn't really hard for an otaku at all because they found other otaku and they're perfectly happy when they're with other otaku. So, okay, (laughs) you've disproved your title in episode one. Good job. (laughs) Now what? But I am actually not hating it. I really, okay. I really, really like a lot about the series. There's a couple of things I don't like, but okay. Um, what do you What do you not like? I don't like Kabakura. Oh really? No, he's okay. an asshole. Wow, that's strong. Um, I mean, it was um, was episode four the one where he and Koyanagi have a big fight? Uh, I don't um, remember three or yeah, four. Yeah, like when he and Koyanagi have a big fight, he gets really mean and he just like is just doesn't apologize and just sort of the whole thing gets kind of waved off and then in the new year's episode like he was super like he, he was super like dismissive of her at first like wanting to do something like wanting to do something for christmas or for new year's and he's just like no we're adults and yeah, he made that reservation, but like, it just seems like he's the kind of guy who's like, is really, really mean and then does like something later and thinks that that makes up for it, but never really changes. But everyone else is great. I just really don't like him. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, I'm enjoying him well enough, but I don't particularly love any of them. I think that's that they're fine, I guess. Um, and I I am coming back to it every week. Like this is one of the few shows I'm actually watching weekly. I didn't have to binge this. Um, I think my biggest problem with it is that its pacing doesn't feel right. It feels like it's very slow. It doesn't feel snappy. Like I was expecting something closer to Hina Matsuri's approach to to comedic pacing and right. timing. And it feels much more sluggish than that, which feels a bit like a waste because I think the material itself is fine. But even that, the material itself feels very kind of generic otaku a lot of the time. So it's like they each fulfill a particular kind of otaku archetype and we don't really get into the specifics of their characters. So they're almost Mm -hmm. kind of placeholders for real characters and real character dynamics and development. So that's why Kabakura and Koyanagi, when they when they do talk about their relationship, it does kind of seem like they're together because they're together and they've always been together and that's it. And they don't question it. And yeah, there are couples like that, but that that kind of dynamic does take a toll and it does need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And especially in a show that's called Love is Hard for an Otaku, you'd think when stuff is actually hard, they might lean into that and talk about it a bit. And as you said, they just kind of sweep it under. 
So I'm not finding it quite as satisfying as I would like to find a show about two sets of geeky couples <laughs> who work together, which in some ways should be right up my right. street. I, but it's... I mean, I connect to it very personally. Like, mm-hmm. other than Kabakura um, being a just raging dickhead. Um, <laughs> You're not keen on him, No, huh? <laughs> I, I'm not. At first I was like, well, they fight a lot, but that just, you know, that seems to work for him. But it's feeling more and more one-sided. And, like, yeah, like, right. Koyanagi can, like, get kind of can shout like can shout back but she never really gets as mean as he does um but anyway like i really really i really connect to hirotaka uh hirotaka and narumi they very very much remind me of me and my fiance (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um sorry fiance as of one week ago so still yay kind of exciting thing to say um nice to say yeah it's just like (laughs) but anyway so you know like (laughs) it's so funny because like you know a lot of it is the big picture stuff like he's more into games she's more into um anime and manga like he's like kind of the the quiet one and who's or like He's uh, a little bit more socially withdrawn while she's, like, more outgoing and friendly. And then it's, like, even down to, like, small stuff like he has the same kind of headphones. <laughs> like, um, so, like, I really, really, like, connect to it. Um, so a lot of my joy, the joy that I derive from it, isn't necessarily from, like, oh, that joke's really funny so much as... Uh, I really can relate to this and really enjoy sort of seeing right. what I like my own experiences and my own relationship being um, conveyed on screen. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And I imagine a lot of people will find elements of it relatable. There are certainly moments that I find completely relatable. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure it's completely fulfilled its promise as a show it felt like it had more potential in the first mm-hmm. episode than i think it's lived up to yet and that may change it may be kind of doing a slow burn um but like they uh narumi and hirotaka their relationship is kind of not moving anywhere they seem like friends most of the time and that's that's something i really thought that by episode six we're on now that i w- thought they would have yeah. done a bit more with and i mean there is this is pretty common in japan that you'll start seeing someone romantically after they confess their feelings and you agree to go out with them and just see how it goes like try dating but they they seem to be doing exactly the activities they would have been doing had they just been friends and they don't go far beyond that and so it doesn't seem that narami's getting any kind of romantic feelings for hirotaka at all but she's just sort of slotted into his life, like straight in at the kind of more domestic, comfortable mm-hmm. point of a relationship without going through the... I wonder... The kind of... They've, they have implied at times that there might be like some stuff that's just not making it to the screen. Like really? when... Okay, so when they had that big sleepover party, yeah. <laughs> which was silly, but also kind of cute, because Hirotaku was like, I have friends now, I can have a sleepover party. 
yeah, that was pretty cute. Um, like she was talking, worrying about the color of her underwear, which like, right. And then the next day, he makes a joke about her wearing, having been wearing beige underwear. Um, doesn't she say something does to she? make him think that? I thought she did. I don't know. I because I was actually really pleased when she has when she kind of realizes that she's going to his house for the night and she kind of thinks oh no i wore the wrong underwear or not even and like, like oh is this no, really okay like, and she's, <laughs> like, oops, yeah exactly she's she's really calm about it and it's very much like it's it's really refreshing after you have so many anime where girls are like really frantic about the thought that they might hold hands or they might like hug or they might kiss and it, for Narumi to just be like oh wait we're probably gonna have sex okay let me think about the logistics like it was actually really great I really enjoyed that and I hope to see more of it but that was episodes ago yeah and we've Mm -hmm. we've not really seen anything more about their romantic relationship since then and I I think I think there are like like there are moments of like small connection that that don't just feel like yep just friends like I think he's a little bit more emotionally like vulnerable with her um like when she like asks about his pierced ears and he's like you know I really wanted to grow up faster like yeah like just just small things like that but I would like to see but do you think he do you think he wouldn't have answered that question had anyone else asked I don't know I I, I don't know but like it felt I feel like but not necessarily people would have ask normally the way the scene was framed seemed a little bit more I don't know like like I a little bit more vulnerable uh, than uh, typical um, I mean maybe because like that for me the standout part of that scene was him saying to Narumi like me of all people you should be open with yeah and so maybe he's leading by example yeah. there a little bit like um she does like because she. I feel like she does not really know how to not be guarded in a relationship because, yeah, and and that's sort of getting into the love is hard thing actually because she's been burned before by like being caught as an otaku in a relationship and like yeah. even though yes like he knows like that sort of stuff is like. your instincts tell you no you can't like just like sort of open up about that um so that might be a little bit more of the love is hard for an otaku thing yeah and that's the kind of stuff i really wanted to see because i think you can kind of you can tell a story about challenges that that people with kind of niche hobbies tend to face and it is things like i don't want to talk about this because i think you're going to laugh mm-hmm. at me or i i think it's going to take too much explanation for you to understand and absolutely situations like that completely relatable <laughs> um so i i was hoping for more of that is the only thing i we get these little moments where you're like yes that is what i came here for but it's not consistent and it's not cumulative almost it's more like breadcrumbs every now and again yeah no i understand like i said the way i connect to it personally probably for sure uh, gives me some rose colored glasses on it and um i'm not trying no. to take those off you and, just and, to be clear like absolutely not <laughs> i feel like um steve festnet um his uh, episode reviews on anime news network he's very enthusiastic and he also talks a lot about parts that are relatable to him so 
Yeah, and I think that will be the case for a number of people. And I absolutely, you know, by being, by saying I want more of it, like that's not in any way being dismissive of people who feel like what they're doing right now is enough and is right and is giving them exactly what they came to the show for. Like I will expect different things from a romance than other people will. So it's, yeah, it's, I think it's totally fine. Like I said, I'm really enjoying it in the sense that I'm watching it week to week which I really don't do for a lot of anime. I think there are three shows at the moment that I'm actually watching week to week. The rest I've binged, oh, in the last 12 hours or so. So <laughs> it's been a very anime-full day. Um, so it is actually pulling me back. I am enjoying spending time with these people. And actually, I think I like Koyanagi and uh, Kabakura's relationship more than you do. I find, like, I, d- I don't love Kabakura, but I also don't dislike him. Uh, I think I don't like his crush on Narami or not crush but he clearly like Narami's much more his type and there was a moment when um, Koyanagi is kind of talking about how that insecure that makes her feel and that was another moment that I absolutely loved but it was also another moment they didn't really kind of go into or build on so I'm enjoying spending time with them and I am enjoying these moments that come up for sure and I hope they do more of that in the next six episodes yeah six is it six it's going to be five it more episodes. It's an 11 episode series. Okay. okay. I think that wraps up. Yeah, we've... It's been a really long podcast. <laughs> this is very. This is going to oh, be a really yeah. long episode, but it's such a full season. I think there's a lot that we wanted to watch, whereas usually we skip over quite a few titles or we don't have a lot I to say. I feel like we're... This well, is... I feel like we are... A lot of us are watching different series. I feel like this season there's no yeah. like one episode like no like one show that or or i should say there's one show that everyone's following that's megalobox um but you're but not. not but like there's no like <laughs> but it's not as consolidated as it usually is it's not our our watching has been more scattered across the season than it tends to be yeah you're right and there's more because just briefly, as briefly as we can, I was wondering if we were um, going to do this. To wrap this up, <laughs> I think we have to because there are some big ticket shows that are ongoing, that are sequels, that are short. So just briefly, what are you watching, and would you recommend it from the the list that isn't new anime to this My season? My Hero Academia is so. still very strong. Right, and I think we're all watching that. So I, this is probably where the shows that everyone is watching are actually clustered. Mm-hmm. So My Hero Academia, absolutely watching that, loving that. Would uh, would recommend with caveats, would we say? Uh, Minata's yeah. still in it. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> if he could not be in it, that would be better. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it, a, it is all it's still got same. its problems with female characters. but it's Yeah, it's got all the same problems mm-hmm. it has before, but it has all the strengths that it had before. It has so. a canonical trans man in it. Uh, Tiger. And a trans Tiger. woman. No, trans... I'm pretty sure Tiger. Well, Tiger is a trans man. Magni is a trans woman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I did not realize that from watching yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Um, what else are you watching, Kaylin? That's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Peter, your list is going to be a bit longer. Uh, what are you watching, and what would you recommend? Uh, there's some. I'd say the only one that I really feel any need to mention is probably Food Wars. Uh. If, I mean, it's still Food Wars. It's still got all that stuff that you know that Food Wars has. Uh, so assuming you're okay with the, the fan service aspect, I think this is like 
the best it's ever been and it's actually kind of amazing i like i can't believe what i'm watching right now week to week uh they've gotten into some like really hairy territory in regards to childhood abuse and uh they've kind of got some like classist themes going on right now uh in in the current conflict the story um and they're handling them all very well and the writing is just spot on um so i think it's pretty amazing (laughs) what what food wars is doing right now it's just it it's still got that fan service though so if that's a deal breaker then uh the deal is broken right that makes sense um no more nothing else to talk about uh depends on how long a conversation you want to have do it go on just (laughs) briefly are you watching it would you recommend it darling in the franks i i i don't think i could recommend it i i i don't know if this joke i just made it recently uh has anybody seen equilibrium Ah, oh, dang. This is going to be very niche joke. Okay. Uh, it's basically, it's it's a really good Christian Bale movie uh, with Sean Bean uh, about a like po- like dystopic society where they've outlawed all human emotion. Uh, and in the, this joke doesn't work. <laughs> basically, the, the movie handled it better because, you know, there was actual consequences for human emotion. And like, he was unfamiliar with a lot of concepts in regards to art and music and all like that stuff that inspires emotion because they specifically kept that stuff away from the character because that's good writing. Uh, Darling in the Franks doesn't do that. It uh, just, I don't know what it's trying to do. Like now the whole thing is about how they've been prohibited from expressing any kind of gendered activity the whole time, even though the first half of the series was entirely about uh, stereotypically gendered activity. So I have no idea where this is coming from. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, it's kind of low-key insulting. Uh, I I think it's pretty high-key insulting uh, by this point, if you've seen yesterday's episode. Yeah, well, I, I mean, there's offensive and then intellectually insulting. <laughs> I guess it's both. And it's doing yeah. both, I think. It's, it's, it's just a mess. <laughs> Are you watching it, Caitlin? Uh, no, I'm behind on it, um, but I have been following people's Twitter conversations about it <laughs> vicariously, and oh boy, ah, yeah. we should probably do a thing about it after it ends. Though, seriously, though, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not sure I want to give it the satisfaction. Um, so briefly, Darling in the Franks has taken a really bad turn. And not only has it not lived up to the possibility of subversion that we all hoped for in the first episode. Well, I say we all. Vry from the beginning was like, this is not going anywhere good. And Vry was completely uh, right. Um, as is often the I case. I was more hopeful. I was more optimistic. I really hoped for some kind of subversion because it was leaning so hard into the gender norms. No, it is not subversive at all. Um, it has taken some really unpleasant terms. It has become really deeply aggressively right-wing heteronormative it is not pleasant at all not only do i not recommend it i actively recommend avoiding it if you think this is something that is likely to burn you up it is not good um but i'm still watching it i there's a bit of sunk cost fallacy going on here at this point (laughs) Uh, a bit of stockholm syndrome maybe um i'm not sure if i'm still enjoying it yesterday's episode was really really bad um, and I mean bad in the sense of it made me feel bad. I did not enjoy the viewing process. There were moments when I turned the volume completely down because I couldn't bear to hear them say these words. I, it was just so unpleasant. Um, but I'm going to continue watching it to the end 
There is a lot of conversation going on around it now. And I think participating in those conversations is probably the most satisfaction I'm going to get out of this series. And I look forward to dropping it and never coming back to it. Um, um, but I am actually watching stuff I enjoy. Um, Space Battleship Tiramisu is a problematic uh, it's a problematic option, but I am still finding it funny when it's not being awful. Um, it's not too much of a recommendation, I'm afraid, but it's kind of absurd comedy. But at the same time, it's got this kind of gender essentialist homophobia, etc., um, it's also got a lot of man service, which is really not my thing. So, yeah, if you think you're going to enjoy the absurd comedy and can overlook everything else, then I probably would recommend that for you specifically. But what I'm actually really enjoying is Tokyo Ghoul Re. Are either of you watching no. that? Uh, no. I think both I of us... I'm enjoying it. it's... I think it's on Hulu. <laughs> I think both of us I don't like, know who fell has it, out actually. of love with the manga around the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um... I just really don't feel any particular need to go back to it. Is it not on Crunchyroll? Uh, no, it's on. Oh, it's okay. on. I think Funimation and Hulu. I believe. Don't quote me on that. It is on Crunchyroll here, so I wonder why I haven't seen so much conversation about it. Yeah, I am enjoying it so much that I went back and watched, rewatched Tokyo Ghoul from the very beginning, and actually enjoyed it a lot more. Now it has Tokyo Ghoul re on the end, so it feels more like a rounded, complete series. Um. And yeah, I think it's one of those adaptations where the anime really improves on the source material. I think it really, uh, it, it makes up for pacing issues in the same way as things like Attack on Titan kind of makes up for pacing issues to an extent in parts of its series. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. So if anyone else is, please tell me on Twitter because I don't have anyone to talk to you at the moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, uh, very, very lonely fan. I picked up <laughs> Happiness and uh, I started reading that. That's my vampire manga. So, Yeah. Yeah. It's. I'm not sure at the moment if I recommend it, um, but I'm enjoying it way more than I thought based on how I felt about Route A, which is still my least favorite part of the whole thing. Um, so, yeah. If you haven't watched any Re yet, and because you didn't enjoy Rute, but you enjoyed Tokyo Ghoul more, then maybe pick it up and see what you think. And yeah, let me know. Okay, we are done. This has been a very oh, long yeah. episode. <laughs> so just to wrap up, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you like what we've been talking about, you can find more of our work on www.animefeminist.com. You can find us on Twitter at Anime Feminist. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash animefem. We have a Tumblr, animefeminist.tumblr.com. And we also have a Patreon, of course, patreon.com slash animefeminist. We have now finally broken even. Hooray! Mm. And this means that we are no longer going, like, working in a deficit. We are actually making enough each month to pay all writers, contributors, editors, administrators, everyone who contributes to the site we are paying. It feels so good to clear those invoices. Um, and we have a little bit of a buffer, which is great, but we have a lot of projects that we would like to work on and can't just yet. I think the next thing we're going to be working on is making the site more accessible, making podcast transcripts, which is also not free. So to help us kind of work towards our next goals, if you can spare a dollar a month, it all adds up. Or if you can spare $5 a month, that will give you access to our exclusive Anafem only Discord server, which is kind of like a chat room. But you can go in there and talk about current anime manga j-pop whatever you like um without having to worry about explaining feminism 101 to randos on the internet which is a real plus so patreon.com slash anime feminist if you can send us 
any money at all per month to continue our work, we'd very much appreciate it. So thank you so much to Caitlin and Peter for joining me today. And we look forward to seeing you for the end of season podcast. And hopefully I will watch more by then. <laughs>